Welcome to this Summer Sabbath Sunday here at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Danny. And I'm Connie. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Our first lesson is from the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain. And those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are continuing on in Matthew's Gospel. Our second lesson is from Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Listen again with fresh ears. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, 
the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him by the throat and said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. And his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave all of your debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. June 17th, 2015, Charleston, South Carolina. There was a morning Bible study at Emmanuel AME Church. It wasn't too long that a stranger arrived and they welcomed this stranger into their Bible study. That stranger was Dylan Roof, opened fire on all who were gathered. Nine were killed. The pastor, a state senator, three survived. As it turned out, Dylan Roof was a 21-year-old white supremacist and had sat in the study before he started his violent string of death. The first time that he was brought to trial, many who were victims were able to speak to him. One was Nadine Collier. I forgive you, the daughter of 70-year-old Athel Lance said at the hearing, her voice breaking with emotion. You took something very precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never ever hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. Another, I acknowledge that I am very angry, said the sister of DePayne Middleton Doctor. But one thing that DePayne always enjoyed, enjoined into our family is that she taught me that we are a family that love built. We have no room for hating, so we have to forgive. I pray God on your soul. Wanda Simons, granddaughter of Daniel Simons, said that the pleas for Ruth's soul were proof that hate won't win. So awful and so difficult. How could those victims and survivors and loved ones get to a place where they could look 
this killer in the face and say, I forgive you. May God have mercy on your soul. And did they need to? Should they have? In our passage today, Jesus is responding again to one of Peter's questions. And Peter asked, Lord, how many times should I forget somebody who does me wrong in church, another member of the church, our community, our fellowship? Seven times, Peter says. And the other understanding, the Jewish understanding in rabbinic and scribal thought was that you forgive three times and the fourth time you do not forgive. So three times was the standard for those practicing Judaism. So Peter, thinking he's pretty faithful and pretty good, and poor Peter, that's always when he gets himself into trouble, he doubles it and adds one. Lord, how many times do I need to forgive somebody who says something nasty about me or is mean or doesn't treat me right? How many times do I need to forgive them? Seven times? Again, doubled it, added one. That's how faithful I am, Peter says to Jesus. I'll double it and throw in another. Am I right or am I right? And so Jesus says, no, Peter, not seven times, but 77 times or seven times 77, depending on the translation. And then Jesus launches right into this parable, this allegory that is fictional symbolism, a parable to teach what's important about forgiveness. You know the story. There's a master, and, and really servant is a better translation than slave. For us, we take that somewhere else. For them, it would have been someone who worked in company of the king and who was in charge, but to a different level than we're used to. So servant is probably a better translation. He has a debt of 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. How much is that? That is a ridiculous sum of money. Ridiculous. Not all of Herod's kingdoms pay that much to tribute to Rome in a year. It is our equivalent of millions and millions and millions for a servant who had no way to earn that kind of money. It was an absurd number, purposely absurd, because there's no way that that debt could be forgiven because there's no way the debt could be paid to the king, to the master. So all things come due, and the king says, pay up, you owe. Now, it's probably, again, due to the way that he handled money in the king's business. It was not that he went gambling or personal debt. It was probably connected to the larger operation. But he was in charge of that, and he owed whatever debt for those things that didn't go well. King says, okay, it's time. 
Pay it up. 10,000 talents. And he says, there's no way I can. That's an absurd sum of money. I can't pay it. He says, well, okay. Sell him. Sell his wife. Sell his children. Sell his house. Sell everything he has. And let's move on. Drops to his knees, begs, and pleads the king to please forgive him. And the king does. The king forgives this ridiculous sum that he could not pay himself. Hmm, sounding familiar. But that's act one. Act two, then that servant goes to servants below him and does the similar thing. Okay, it's time to pay. I'm collecting and another servant who owes 100 denarii, which is probably a few months' wages, says, I, I'm so sorry, I can't, I can't pay. He fell to his knees just as the first servant had done and said, please have mercy on me. Just uh, uh, give me a payment plan. I'll figure out a way to pay this. Just give me a little more time. I will get you the money. And the first servant whose ridiculous debt was forgiven grabs him by the throat and says, oh, no, you don't. Throw him in jail until he pays it. And that's when the other servants, who were now privy to both conversations, go back to the king and said, look at what this servant did. You let him go, but he didn't let someone who owed him go. Far less a debt. And that's when Jesus very boldly says that the king says, throw him in jail for torture until he can pay it off, which we know he never can. And then Jesus finishes that off. And says, so my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Okay. So Jesus is telling us it's pretty darn important. We know forgiveness is Christianity 101. We know forgiveness is at the core of who God is by nature of sending Christ. By nature of being able to provide a way for us to not have to pay the debt that none of us can pay. And Jesus is laying it on them. So you've got to practice. You've got to do it. You've not just got to know it, Peter. Seven times, 70 times seven, which really is not... You don't have to get out and check 490. First month of marriage, Vicki went through that as many times as she had to forgive me then. We wind up having to forgive much more than that. But it's just a large number that says, this isn't just a number or a formula. This needs to be your life style. This needs to be the way you interact with others, with Christ at the center, and forgiveness as a part of your Christian journey.
Now, last week we talked about differences that if you have a difference with somebody in the church, if somebody did you wrong in the church, it's your job to go to them and to say, hey, friend, this is how I think you, you did me wrong. If they don't listen, you bring a couple others with you. If they don't listen, you turn it over to the fellowship of the church. And then if that still won't work well, then like the Gentiles and others, maybe they shouldn't be welcome. And one of the important things I want to distinguish is that that, because that verse has been used to tell victims that they need to forgive and go back to their victimizers because that's what God tells them to do. This is not the level of which we were talking about last week. It is not up to those who have been beaten to go to the one who has caused them physical, mental, spiritual harm and say, hey, friend, I'm supposed to forgive you. That's different. There are other routes of forgiveness to that, but I wanted to clarify that. In both last week and this week, they talk about the church community. And what if someone in my church community does something against me? Well, then you have a little formula for how you go about that. I don't want that to be construed in any negative or horrific ways. So forgiveness, why do we forgive? Same reason we love, because God first loved us. And in this case, because God first forgave us through Christ. Part of the joy, part of the good news is that we know we are forgiven. It's what we experienced in the confession time this morning, which I hope you also do on your own. But if not, at least weekly, you come before God and open yourself you humble yourself, you make yourself vulnerable, and you say, I've, I've, I've messed some things up, dear God. I put other things in front of you. I've let this get the best of me or that. It got away from me, and I'm sorry, I'm working. So those things won't continue to dominate me. It's a gift from God, this forgiveness. It's a part of grace. It's a part of resurrection. Jesus overcame what? The powers of sin and death. That is forgiveness and grace. And so we have the knowledge to know that those things don't impact us. And we, as recipients of that grace and forgiveness, as Christians, have to share that with others. The same way that faith only grows when you share it. Forgiveness is the same. What is the mark of a true Christian? One of those marks is forgiveness. And it's not easy. Nobody likes it. Especially when, of course, we were so right and the other person did us so wrong. And a lot of times that is the case. I don't want to minimize that. But there's something greater at stake here. The French author Victor Hugo has a short story entitled 93. 
And basically, it is the story of a ship that is in the middle of a tumultuous storm. The crew is holding on for dear life when below deck they hear smashing and smashing as the ship lists from one side to the other. And with horror, they realize that cannon has become loose from its moorings and is now rolling from side to side, damaging everything it touches. Until finally two crewmen realize that if somebody doesn't go down there and reattach that cannon, it will destroy and sink the ship. And so they risk their lives and they are able to tie it back again. The idea of this being that when we do not forgive, we are like that ship. We always think forgiveness is for the other person, but so often it is for us first. If we are not forgiven, we are carrying that burden inside us like that cannon rattling around that can threaten to sink us. We harbor so much vengeance. We carry grudges. We don't want to let people off the hook who are mean and nasty to us or that's just the way they are because that's the way they are. And if we do that, that might just reinforce further poor behavior on their part. But all we do is continue to damage ourselves. It was Anne Lamott who famously said, refusing to forgive is like drinking rat poison and expecting the other person to die. She has a way with words, doesn't she? You drinking rat poison and expecting that person that caused you grief to die. I'm going to carry this. I'll show you. I'll keep this inside. I'll think about this every day. They may not even know that they did you wrong or that this is still an issue. So first, forgiveness is for our own spiritual, physical, and mental health. When you can release that mess, just like those victims at Emmanuel AME, they knew they had to let it go or it would eat them up and take them over. The forgiveness wasn't necessarily for Dylan Roof. It was for their survival, and they knew that as Christians. Will Williman said, the human animal is not supposed to be good at forgiveness. Forgiveness is not some innate natural human emotion. Vengeance, retribution, violence, these are natural human qualities. It's natural for the human animal to defend itself, to snarl and crouch into defensive posture when attacked, to howl when wronged, or to bite back when bitten. Forgiveness is not natural. And yet, this is what Jesus is calling us to do. So much of what Jesus calls us to do is different than what we have always known and understood. And yet it is at the core of who we are as we practice daily to overcome some of those natural self-centered pieces of who we are, to be able to, in Christ, forgive others, relieve ourselves of that burden. 
and seek to live as kingdom members. So as we go out into the world today, who is it that needs to be forgiven, even though you don't want to? Who for your own good have you been carrying or harboring some negativity, some conflict that you need to forgive? Or, as in last week, you could just go and talk to them about it. So much of this is for the health of the Christian family, so then we can take it and show it and live in the world. Paul made all kinds of enemies. Paul judged all kinds of other people. But he knows at the core, as Jesus is telling Peter, forgiveness isn't just a formula, three and you're out, or seven and you're out, or 490 and you're out. It's a way that we live. And if you can't do that on your own, if it is too bad, it is too awful, then find and seek help. So many out there that will help you move forward. So think in your life how to practice forgiveness every day. It doesn't mean everything's okay. It doesn't mean all of those negative behaviors just disappear. But it means you acknowledge them as bigger than their faults. So with boldness, let us go and forgive in the name of the one who forgave us first and continues to do so, to pay the debt that we could not pay. Hallelujah. Amen.